Hi, I'm Susie Perry and welcome to the BT Sport MotoGP podcast. Today we're in Spain for round 14 of the season from Aragon and here is how the race was won. It is going to be Mark Marquez though, the crowd are on their feet. The red flags and banners with the 93 on are waving. We are going to hear the Spanish national anthem as the Repsol boys get up onto the pit wall. Marvellous Mark Marquez does it again. It's Aragon, he's the chief. Second place goes to Jorge Lorenzo from Valentino Rossi. And Mark Marquez extends his championship lead. But then it is Maverick Vinales who comes through as top gun in fourth. Cal Crutchlow in fifth place. Coming up, the views of James Tosland, Neil Hodgson, Gavin Emmett and all the protagonists from race day. But first, what did Jules and Keith make of the racing? A great weekend here at Aragon. And after the frenetic Mizano and Silverstone battle that we had to get across the channel and over to Mizano, it seems relaxed here in Aragon, doesn't it? It's the more considered, isn't it? And slightly more uh, what us Northern Europeans are used to. But what a great track this is. I like this venue more and more. Easy for us to say it's relaxed, I suppose, as commentators and sitting on the sidelines. But, of course, the team's had a lot of work yep. to do here, didn't they? Uh, you know, MotoGP coming here. New electrical systems, new new tyres, three front tyres to test and the like. And again, the weather wasn't really that consistent through the three days. Now, cold in the mornings especially. We had a lot of crash victims on cool tarmac in morning sessions. Every day. Mark Marquez, for me, <laughs> the smoothest man on a Honda I'd seen for some considerable time. Do you want to make that all year? Yeah. No, maybe Danny Pedrosa at Mizano might be the only exception to that. He just, he looked more Pedrosa. Has it got anything to, to do with the fact that he was running so small wings this week as well? Very small wings on the Honda. Maybe he'd taken on some of Danny Pedrosa's settings after Mizano. Maybe he'd had a look and said, well, it's, if, if those wings are basically anti-wheelie, there's what, one or two places here you'd use them? Well, we know from what Shuhai Nakamoto is on record of saying yeah. um, that the, the, the wings do make steering the thing much harder. It's, it's a much more physical motorcycle to, to ride when you've got a lot of wing on the front. And we know that from the Ducatis. They have a, they're, they're quite stiff from a, from a change of direction point of view. There's a lot of changes of direction here. There are. Maybe that's another reason that we'll get to in a minute, Keith, for Ducatis. Absolute terrible performance. Terrible performance here this weekend. But Marquez... I mean, he did right out of the box in FP1. He looked yep. silky smooth, and we haven't seen that. Even no. His style isn't really silky smooth, and he usually usually makes that RCV work harder than, than just about any other Honda. You did. You said it in FP1 that he looked smooth. You were shocked that Mark Marquez, and it was a quick Mark Marquez, not a Mark Marquez in fourth, fifth, or sixth position. He was a big lump of time ahead of the rest, and it looked smooth you called it early by qualifying 0.6 faster than anybody else on a racetrack i mean he it was his race to lose and he very nearly did he had a good go at it lap three i mean yep. that front end folded under him but again the old mark marquez may have just tried too hard again but he sat back in fifth place for a few laps didn't he yep. got the composure back and then worked his way through he really is a weapon now isn't did he? he did what jorge lorenzo said he did in the race, having had a big off this morning on a cold tyre. Jorge said, I gave my tyres two warm-up laps before I thought about... It didn't look like it on the first couple of corners, but that's what he claimed he was doing. Well, Michelin weren't expecting the race time to be anything like um, nope. the, the record that was for, for Bridgestone before, but they were only within a few seconds overall after 23 laps of, of the actual race time that Bridgestone's had done. It was slightly cooler than anybody was expecting today, but it was a, a perfectly normal temperature for a race in this part of the world. 
And as you say, the, the race record was uh, w was quite close. I wonder where Lorenzo found the advantage over Rossi in the end. Rossi, at one point, looked like he'd got the pace again, as he did in Mizano. He looked like he'd got the yeah. early pace to be able to get away. But sure enough, he got hunted down and beaten. What is that, Jules? What do you, what do you think? I, I mean, from an ex-racer point of view, he didn't look tired. No. Nope. The bike looked okay, although it did look like he was lighting up the rear end a bit more than Lorenzo. It looked like he may have used a little bit more of his rear Everybody tire. looks like they're lighting the rear end up more than Lorenzo, don't they, on an on, on average weekend. Uh, Vinales had the same error, basically, as Rossi. just managed to outbreak each other, on um, themselves, I mean, on a very, very tricky section of the track. Mm. I, I'm, I, Rossi looked at his rear tire. He said he was spinning more. But it was the same tyres on the same bike. It's difficult for me, Keith. I've never seen Lorenzo as happy with a second place, considering oh, his recent form. His, his form's been so terrible, hasn't it, lately, that uh, that second place really has put him back on the map. But it looks like Marquez now has one hand on the trophy. Over two races worth of points in hand, with only four races left. So he could go away until Malaysia. I suppose skipping on, again, it was a lot of crashes. For me, the most worrying one was the... Exit of pit lane again. Who on earth designs a racetrack with the exit of pit lane on the outside of a corner? I, I just, I do not understand with anybody. I mean, Tilka, pretty clever bloke, done a few few tracks around the world, and yet we've got an out, we've got an exit to pit lane on the outside of a corner. So as soon as somebody falls off, they skittle anybody that's coming out of the pits. And what happened to Petrucci has also happened in a World Supersport race here with more serious consequences, with a broken leg. I just don't get it. I really don't. But anyway, skipping on about the design of the track, because most, most people actually like this track, I must say, and it gives us some good racing as well. The Petrucci factor, though, if I might just follow that one up a little bit, very concerned about what we found out after he had that accident. He got straight on his feet. He looked okay. He said he was okay to the medics. But clearly, when he did an interview with us on BT Sport, um, he said he couldn't remember what had happened or basically where he was for some chunk of his time that day. Now, in normal circumstances, you would reckon that would just pull him from the rest of the weekend's performance, but it didn't happen. And he got straight back on the bike. On I mean, the second bike. There and have that's been a worry, Keith. Well, there have been arguments. Of course, we didn't interview him until after that session. There's, True. There's been arguments that the guy didn't declare any problem. The team didn't declare any problem. He got straight back up after the crash. He got straight back on a bike after the crash. So, therefore, there wasn't a problem. But after, <sighs> after everyone found out what had been said, I mean, I've been even getting calls and texts from, from the UK, from some car racing friends of mine who have a, a, a stricter regime, it would seem, than we do here in MotoGP. I've, some people have said... Well, hang on a minute. There was no declaration of it. Um, so, therefore, do we X-ray everybody? Do we? Do we? No, 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 no. That's you only got to look at the what's happened in rugby in the past year and a half, where the realisation from recent research of what a repeat concussion can do to somebody, and the long-term effects of repeat concussion, and rugby now you want a three, you get a mild concussion, you're sat down for three weeks, and if you are like Petrucci was, you're dragged off down the tunnel, into the dressing room, and there was a set set of tests you have to pass before the doctor will let you back on. That we have no protocol like that, Keith, rather worries me. It seems that we don't have that protocol. All the information that we have at the moment here in the commentary box immediately after the race weekend is that there wasn't a particularly strong protocol in place to try and wheel out a situation where a rider or a team can pull the wool over the eyes of medics. So it was, a, it was an odd thing. 
In, indeed. Now, there is a big difference, I'm told, by medics here, between a concussion and... Memory loss. And just a bit of memory loss or being a little bit shocked and shaken up. But if you were worried about that, if that was a concern, then you wouldn't put it on the... The onus would be on the team or the rider to prove absolutely and un, without doubt that he was OK. By passing a set of set tests. You would say. I would as well. So a flag up there for the Safety Commission and the like. Um, we're wondering, and no doubt we'll find out in the week exactly what the situation regarding that was. That's the MotoGP, boys. Let's move on to the Moto2, shall we? Sam Lowe's ah. pole position, like Marquez, he looked smooth, smoother than he did in Misano. He looked happier than he did in Misano. <laughs> I look smoother and happier than Sam did in Misano. <laughs> But pole position converted it brilliantly. And he had pace all weekend. Two long runs yesterday on worn tyres. He knew he had it. He knew all he had to do, all he had to do, was not make a mistake. And he controlled the race beautifully. It is the best I have seen him ride. And I wouldn't be prepared to say after San Marino that it's probably the worst I've seen him ride in Motor Grand Prix. Don't suppose we can ignore, of course, the fact that uh, brother Alex was on for his third ride in MotoGP for the Tech 3 team, replacing Indeed. Bradley Smith. But unfortunately, that big off he had, he said, the biggest he's ever had. We <laughs> haven't seen him since, but of course, Neil Hodgson, part of our team, did speak to him. He manages him. He sent him home. He's gone home on the Sunday. He wasn't here to watch Sam celebrate. But is that the last time we're going to see Alex on a MotoGP bike? I don't think so. I know he's got a World Superbike contract next year. But I have, there's a little rumour going round that he's in the frame to be a Yamaha factory tester next year as well as ride the World Superbike. I think that would be quite nice because that opens up the prospect of a wild card now and then. Two lows in MotoGP next year. We're back to double oh. vision racing. Oh, my God, hang on. Can the Rewind. Stand it? Rewind. <laughs> and finally, Brad Binder in Moto3, Jules. Can I rewind you back to Moto2? Yeah, of course. Brother Alex, Alex Marquez. Of course. First rostrum. And best best qualifier, second second yeah. place on the grid. Yeah, and best like finish. Sam, have the best we've seen him ride um, a Moto2 bike. Back to Moto3, sir. Moto3, Brad Binder. What about the South African? I mean, once he started winning, he couldn't stop doing it, could he? And no one else has come within a shout of putting together a consistent season to try and stop him. He has made one or two minor mistakes that have cost him points, running off track in Assen, crashing out the lead in Bruno. But compared to what the rest of them have managed to inflict on each other and themselves, he's been near perfection. Let's put it in perspective. I was in the last race that um, South African world champion was made from, Yoni Eckerold <laughs> at the Nürburgring. 1980, viewers. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and even led the race, actually. For <laughs> about 100 yards. Until, uh, no, it was two quarters. But, oh, I uh, beg your pardon. <laughs> 300 yards. Before Yoni Eckerold and Tony Mann came past. But it was a, a cracking, cracking race. Not only was he the last South African uh, Grand Prix champion, but also the last real true privateer to win a world title. Yeah, the, true, the man who bought, built his own motorbike, no factory help at all. It's a long time since the, the real hard case, John, John Eckerwell, won that epic confrontation on the Nürburgring. And the two years before that, of course, Court Ballington was a double-double world champion on 250s and 350s. Court Ballington is, is back in the, the annals of history yeah, now. But that, some that, great riders come from South Africa. Yeah, there's been a history, but of course, the politics between now and then was very complicated and obviously militated against 
It really did. If you had a South African passport, you couldn't travel to countries that we had Grand yeah. Prix in at the, in those days. Yeah, there, there were considerations above sport coming into play. So Brad Binder back um, and, mm. and continuing the history of great the, South the African The first riders. South African champion under the flag of the Rainbow Nation. Mm. That's a good point as well. Brad Binder, though, moves up with KTM to Moto2 next year on a... I on a KTM I'm Moto2 really bike. looking forward to seeing him on that bike. I think he's a he's a potential championship winner from the out of the box. He's the coolest specimen in the Moto3 class and you know he's going to take that up to Moto2, don't you? You really know. And I'm what I'm really looking forward to is some variety next year in Moto2 and that KTM being the prime contender. But before all of that, we've got four more rounds. We go on the long hauls next. Japan, Phillip Island, and from Motegi to Phillip Island, and then on to Sepang. What a lovely trip that is. And then back to what is usually, for me, George, just a little bit of a disappointment, Valencia. It's just, it's I, I a, know. You, you, you've always said this to me. It's a bit me. of a concrete jungle. It doesn't have the kind of aura. that, uh, And yeah. it's signed on now to be the final Grand Prix of, of the year for, what, another five years? Yeah, well, I've had the occasional good day there, though, I have to say. Well, there you go, a bit of controversy as well. Well, that's been Keith Ewan and Julian Ryder. I hope you've enjoyed your day with us here at Aragon, of course, and we'll be back um, on BT Sport for MotoGP in Japan, Motegi, in three weeks' time. And here is Jack. Thanks for joining us. Um, Thank you. Jack Miller, of course. And what did you make of the race today, MotoGP? I mean, first of all, it started off with that Moto3 race. I mean, unreal for Brad. You could tell he really wanted that uh, world championship. That's for sure. He uh, pushed hard on that last lap. I didn't think he was going to do it, to be honest. But then, uh, no, he pulled it out at the end. And then, Pretty I mean, good day for your team, right? With Navarro yeah, and Morbidelli yeah, no, and Alex no, Marquez having the first exactly. podium. Exactly. First podium from Alex. It's a, it's a great day for our team. But, uh, no, in the MotoGP, little bit of a difficult day, you know, Nicky boarded home with one point, Tito unfortunately uh, not finishing the race, but uh, no, it was a good race to watch, that's for sure, from the sidelines, if there was anyone I'd like to watch from the sidelines, it's probably this one, I mean, there's some, you know, ding-dong battles out there, that's for sure, with... Uh, you were so close to that Moto3 Championship on the same bike as Brad Binder, does yeah. that bring us any memories back? Definitely, you know, it's, uh, he's working with basically the whole crew that I had and, and that Miguel had as well, so I mean, to see... I know a lot of the Brits out there, you know, love Danny Kent being uh, world champion last year as, as I did. But, you know, to see that team who's been close the last two years to, to bring it home this year with, and so early in the season, it's unreal for them. And, uh, yeah, I take my hat off to them and, and chapeau to Brad for, for riding the way he has the whole season, you know, consistent every week, you know. Even in, uh, I think the only real mistake he made was uh, Czech Republic. I mean, in Aston he had that moment, but he still brought it home with some points in the bag. So, uh no, big congrats to him and uh, to the whole AO Motorsports squad. And who knows, he might be able to do it with the uh, with, with the Moto Two Championship yet. But we'll see what happens with Sarko. He needs to get his head straight, I think, again. Absolutely. We'll just flip forward to MotoGP for a second. We can go live now to Gavin, who's got Mark Marquez. Yeah, our race winner for the first time since Germany, which seems strange. It's five races ago now, but you're back up here. It wasn't easy though, was it? Especially with that moment earlier on and having to force a pass on Jorge almost. Yeah, you know, that is, this is racing, no? Uh, it looks like everything under control on the practice, but then on the race, everything is different. And, and yeah, I tried to push at 100% on the beginning because uh, I know that it uh, was important the first laps for trying to open the gap, but I pushed too much. Uh, like yesterday on the quali, a little bit. I pushed too much and then I did a big mistake that I nearly crashed, but uh, I was able to save uh, with the elbow, like always. But uh, yeah, it was a big moment. But uh, anyway, uh, after this moment, I say, okay, 
uh, breathe, breathe a little bit, uh, try to, to be quiet and, and then step by step I get the same rhythm like in the practice and when I catch Valentino uh, I try to prepare my attack, no? I slow down one lap and then push uh, two laps really hard for, for try to open this gap and, and then manage the, the distance. Mark, uh, during uh, that race, did you know you were going to have that much advantage? Last couple of years, you've been on pole and we thought Mark's going to do it. What have you been able to change this year for the Honda to work so well? You know, uh, always in this circuit, uh, our speed is really fast and, and for our bike uh, is, is good. So, uh, but uh, I don't know what happened with Danny and Kraslow that uh, they were not able... They weren't able to to be to be fast, but uh, but yeah, uh, honestly, in the practice they felt better uh, than in the race because in the race our bike uh, you must to push 100% of the time, and sometimes you overheat the tires. But uh, yeah, today was really important to attack uh, because. Uh, you know, during Misano race, Silverstone, I was there trying to manage the distance, but uh, to be champion, sometimes you must to take the risk. You must to choose the correct circuit, and this one was one of the circuits that uh, I mark on the calendar. <laughs> Thanks, Cal. <laughs> I just want to ask as well, just finally, now, the gap is over 50 points, 52, two races in your back pocket. Does this make you breathe a little easier, as you were saying, going into the flyaway races? Of course, of course. It's not the same uh, go out uh, from Aragon uh, 38 points, 39, uh, than 52. Uh, honestly, it's important, the victory, of course. But, uh, you know, that last races, Valentino was catching, catching step by step. And it's important to stop, uh, you know, because uh, then uh, for his motivation also, for his mentality, can be going up, up, up. But... Uh, uh, it was important, this, this victory. Congratulations. Big home win for you, Mark. Well done. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Interesting chat there from Mark Marquez. I mean, he was 43 points ahead of Valentino coming into this race. And, of course, it's a home race for him, so he wants to win it. But he said it's important to be aggressive. But he, he did still have quite a big buffer coming into this race, but clearly not quite big enough for his liking. For, for his liking, exactly. I think he, uh, you know, if I watch the race back, I mean, you look at those first three laps with, uh, with him and Maverick and everybody, and, I mean, we talk about that save as well of his, I mean... It definitely looked like he was riding to try and gain points up, mm. you know, and obviously, like you say, he wasn't happy with that buffer and he needed more, but uh, no, I think... Do you think it's something to do with the unpredictability of the tyres from going to each track because they're new it's with Michelin's? Also, the way that the Honda's working as well, you know, he's, he's been strong all weekend. It's a track where it's really worked, so I feel, you know, the pressure's been a little bit on him this weekend to really put in a good result at a Honda track. OK, we're going to Montegi next. It's another Honda track, mm. but... You know, Phillip Island is a track where in the winter season the, the Yamaha were working really well there. And then, of course, Valencia has been uh, been a pretty much Yamaha track the last couple of years. So uh, I think he uh, is just trying to secure it a little bit earlier, that's for sure. Yeah, and can I just ask you about something that Mark said? Because he said, we go into a race and we've done all the practice we can do. We've done all the, the race runs that we can do. And normally, years gone by, you pretty much know how that was going to pan out when you look at everybody's laps. You yeah. know, we all look quite clever when we can work it out. But now uh, we can't. And, and he's saying, we don't really know how it's going to pan out. We don't know how it's going to be towards the end of the race. So f from your point of view, you know, do, do you concur with that? Definitely, you know, I think uh, this weekend was a little bit similar to last weekend in Misano, you know. Who would have thought Danny would have won there, you know. It's uh, it's something like that, whereas, you know, and Danny went the softer option front tyre than everybody else, and it's something that uh, that's definitely, especially this year being the first year of Michelin, it's something where everyone's a little bit of a gamble, you know, because all the tyres work reasonably well, but it's which one's going to work 
better, you know, after 18, 20 laps on it. So, um, no, I think uh, Mark definitely, I think he chose the uh, softer option on the front than, for example, Crutch and LH. They had a harder one, and, it, you know, you see it still worked here. So uh, I think that's something we'll have to take into Montegi, but uh, I feel that they'll probably keep the same, same option tyre. You know, they're really trying to work on on giving us newer tyres, but it seems everything that they bring doesn't seem to work so far, so they're yeah. just sort of sticking around that 34. I guess that's the lack of data and the, and the first time they're bringing anything here. James, we'll just go back and have a look at the start of the race, if you can just take us through what you're seeing here. Yeah, um, you know, Vinales took advantage of uh, Marquez and Lorenzo just colliding just between turn two and three, just goes underneath them here. So, you know, Vinales' uh, confidence on the front on these earlier laps is really shown on the Suzuki. That's the one strong point. But what I also saw on the Suzuki, Jack, you might be able to see this. The speed of the Suzuki's, there's nothing wrong really with that, good. is there? Really good, definitely. I saw uh, Mark and him come out onto the back straight, and you see the Suzuki pulling back past the Honda. So, yeah, definitely it's not struggling for, uh, Top for speed, speed this far, you know, as opposed to it was, let's say, this time last year. So, no, it shows they've made light years of progress over in the Suzuki garage. And, uh, and yeah, like you say, with that Suzuki, it was really good off the bat, but I watched the race at the corkscrew the whole way through. And it just seemed towards the end that the Suzuki's, especially on the rear tyre, every time they changed directions, it seemed to both Alesh and Maverick seemed to lose it a little bit. So maybe they might need to try and work on that for the balance of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was the story really, wasn't it? The rear tyres. The decisive thing though was when Dovi, after that mistake where he lost the front, so close to crashing on, turn, on lap three. And what, what a difference it would have made for the championship if he had gone down compared to 52 points behind. We could have been less than 30 points behind with Valentino Rossi and that would have, would have been a lot more interesting. Um, but was when he went back uh, behind Dovi because of that mistake. It took him about three or four laps because of the speed of the Ducati. It was, it's difficult when you get stuck behind a Ducati, isn't it? Definitely. You know, he tried that move like he did on uh, when he passed uh, Valet there and he also passed Maverick there in the same spot right before the backstrap, but the Ducati came past him. And like you say, it was almost a little bit of a roadblock for him. The, I honestly thought he wasn't going to be able to close in that gap, but it just seemed that Rossi's tyres had dropped off at the end there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Vinales' tyres had dropped off at the end there. And, of course, Maverick having that little moment as well didn't help. So, uh, no, I mean... Exciting racing. I mean, if you'd asked me halfway through the race who I thought was going to win, it definitely would have been Mark, Mark Marquez. I mean, you can never count him out, but but definitely. Same for you know, me as well, mate. I we know what you said about Danny Pedrosa last time. I know. <laughs> Let's pop down to Gavin now because he's live with Jorge. Jorge, you looked really happy with that second place there. Your best result for quite a while. Uh, and it just seemed like you were saying in Park Ferme, you were almost happy that you crashed this morning. I'm sure you weren't happy, but it was almost a relief because you knew which tyre you needed to go with. Is that the case? Yeah, sometimes uh, uh, a bad situation or a bad thing makes you uh, make a, a good thing, no? And that's what happened when I crashed, no? Because uh, I almost injured, almost uh, have pain because it has been very fast, the, the crash. But this made me make two warming laps, no? One with the bike I crash that we put the hard rear tire and the other one with the soft tire. So finally, in these two laps, the hard tire uh, suddenly gave me a good confidence, even if I was warming up and very slow. So my instinct told me that uh, I needed to change and use the hard one. So this, uh, this crash, as I told you, no? and this instinct gave me for sure uh, the possibility to make this race that uh, I was delighted because I didn't expect it to finish on the podium. I expected to finish sixth or seventh. And finally, the races again uh, surprised you, no? It's a surprise to hear you say that because we always expect you to be fighting for the podium, Jorge. But were you playing the long game? Because at the start of the race, it didn't look easy for you, but you seemed to build up confidence, build up your speed throughout the race. Yeah, to be honest, you know, we started the season very strong. The Yamaha was the bike that had better with the new electronic. 
but uh, probably the Suzuki and the Honda, little by little, they improve their bikes, and uh, we stay more or less at the same level. So they came very strong in the last races, and uh, we found some difficulties to to keep a, a constant pace and the bike is very nervous and moving a lot and it depends on the tracks and the tarmac uh, we have problems with the tires so it's difficult this weekend uh, it was very difficult for me but uh, sometimes in difficult situations is where i uh, finally go into the into the top no you had that uh, jaws shark helmet on today do you have your teeth set on second place in the championship now before the race i i uh, I felt that uh, probably was the worst race to use this helmet because I was very, very bad. But finally, this brings me luck, no? This and the, the crash bring me luck to, to make this race. Brilliant. Great to see you back on the podium, Jorge. Well done today. Thank you. Well, Jorge there saying that the helmet brought him luck and uh, the crash this morning brought him luck to go on to the hard time. And he likes to work by instinct, Jorge, doesn't it? Well, you were just saying, hey, really happy for a second place. Definitely. You know, I, uh, I don't think I've seen him that happy in a long time. I mean, OK, that podium he had, where was it, in Austria, where he got third? Was it Austria? I think it was. But he was really chuffed about that. And we're seeing it again today with the, with the second position. I mean, it, uh, you know, like we were speaking before, it's almost seems like he's trying to rub it into Rossi a little bit, you know, it was a good little battle they had going there and it was a real shame when uh, Valet got a little bit too ambitious and ran himself off at the uh, end of the little back straight. You had a little bit of an insight on the warm-up, by the way, from Wilco Zielenberg. He was parked at a certain corner this morning, expecting what? <laughs> yeah, I saw Wilco this morning, like I was parked on turn two and we were sort of there waiting and, and Wilco came past and pulled up next to us and he said, what are you guys here for? I was like, uh, you know. If you look at the percentages, this track, this corner is going to provide the goods. I think we should be in for a tumble here. And, you know, we had a chat and I said good luck for today. And literally he, he said thank you and rode off. And then not even two minutes later, he come back past and Lorenzo's on a scooter in front of him. He just gave me this cheesy grin. He's just like, good luck, you know. <laughs> you could see something coming. Incredible race day we've had, and it's been quite significant in so many different ways. We've just seen Mark Marquez win in MotoGP, but let's have a look at where it all went wrong for Valentino. Uh, if you can just take us through these, Jack. First of all, Marquez on Valentino. Yeah, here we go again. The same move he did like on Maverick, but uh, Valet tried to do almost a cutback, but then Mark had just got in front of him and almost took the inside, and it was just over from there. As soon as I saw Marquez hit the front again, I knew it was going to be over. And a brave then, effort, though, wasn't it? He hung definitely. in there for about half a dozen laps definitely. before Marquez then got into the 46s. Definitely. I mean, yeah, we, I was watching on my on the app on the phone. I was just seeing red, 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 you know. He just started pushing. And then, yeah, he just got a little bit overambitious there. It's a really tricky corner. I mean, I watched there on uh, Friday free practice, too. And I, I swear to God, if I had a dollar for everybody everybody that ran off at that corner, you know, because you cannot see the braking, uh, braking zone there. And I... I Every lap there was at least two or three to go off there. It's such a hard corner and I mean... Blinded it's, downhill, yeah, isn't it? It's exactly, exactly. And then there's quite a few little bumps and I mean, and if you just mess it up a little bit, I think we saw uh, Alicia Spargo go down there quite early on in the braking zone. So it definitely is uh, it's a tricky spot and I mean, he was just keen on trying to get through. Well, how much was that down to shot rear tyre, would you say? A lot. You know, I was watching... A, Valet had a wide line, especially in the last corner, all the way through the race where he was squaring it up. And at the end of the race, he wasn't able to do it. Like when he passed uh, Jorge, I think it was for the lead or Maverick even, he uh, had a really good top speed down the front straight and it just got worse and worse as the, as the race went on because he just couldn't get the drive out of the last corner. You could really see right before he made that move on, uh, on Jorge uh, where he ran wide, 
there's that big long, I think it's turned after the corkscrew, I think it's 10, and he was just absolutely locked sideways, smoke coming off the back tyre through there. You could see he was just giving it everything he could, but, you know, it wasn't to be today. He just didn't have enough uh, rubber left. It wasn't to be today. It also wasn't to be yesterday, and he said today he needed to do better than yesterday. It didn't happen. We can get his thoughts now. Earlier he spoke to Gavin. Well, Valentino, third place in the end of that race. It was a hard battle, first with Mark, then with Jorge at the end as you... You tried to conjure up something, didn't you? And it just didn't quite work going into the bus stop section. Yes, it's, it's, it's a shame uh, for, for the mistake, two, two, two laps to go, no? Because um, uh, we can fight on the last lap for the second place with, uh, with Lorenzo, but I did a mistake. Uh, we tried to work, we tried to make a setting for, uh, for save a little bit the tyre for the second half of the race, uh, but unfortunately it didn't work enough. Uh, I was I was a bit in trouble, and uh, so also also Jorge beat me because at the end it was faster. But anyway, you know, it's a podium, is uh, is good. I lose uh, I lose four points from uh, from Jorge, but uh, but uh, we are more or less there. And uh, anyway, it was uh, was a solid weekend. Um, I think that we work uh, we work well. We try something different for for the small advantage, but unfortunately, it didn't work. Did you have the tyres you needed this weekend? Are there other tyres you maybe have tried this year? from Michelin that may have given you a different opportunity because obviously you went with the, the medium option today compared to Mark's hard, but I don't think the hard was quite working for you, was it? No, you mean the front? Yeah, the front. Uh, yeah, yeah, but the front of, uh, of Marquez compared to mine was not very different. It was just a little bit harder on the, on the left. Yeah. Um, about the rear, we suffer. With the, with the Yamaha, uh, we spin a bit more and, uh, and we stress a bit more the tyre. But anyway, we put two bikes on the, on the, on the podium. Uh, without the mistake, I can arrive uh, less than three seconds compared to, to Marquez. No? But anyway, now, now we have a, a small extra week of rest. And after, uh, we will have the, the three, three races uh, over, overseas. A uh, track that I like. I want to try to make good races there. That's what I was going to say. They always tracks that seem to go well. You seem to like it when it's a race week in, week out. Japan, Australia, Malaysia. Are you looking forward to getting out there? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, now it's a shame that we have to, to wait uh, two weeks, you know. <laughs> but after we will have enough with three races in a row. <laughs> but it's like this. We take, uh, we take this podium, we take these points and uh, we go. And no test is there in the end for Yamaha here no, in the no, end? No, no, no. Uh, supposed to, but uh, we are not ready, so no test. OK, well, all the best. We'll see you in Japan. Well done, Valentino. Yeah, so back-to-back -back races coming up in three weeks' time, a short break before that starts. Valentino Rossi there, uh, now 52 points behind. It's uh, looking uh, pretty it's a it's a long unlikely, shot. isn't it? It's a long shot, that's for sure. But like he says, you know, the back-to-back -back races, they can provide, you know, some amazing things. You know, we've seen it before. And, uh, no, I feel definitely the same way as him, you know. Once we get in a rhythm, you, I love the overseas races, not only because I get to go home, but, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, to keep you busy week in, week out, just hope to be... 100% fit for them, that's, the, that's the, the goal, that's for sure. Yeah, so what, so what is the situation then before you, you leave us? Yeah, I had basically uh, broken, what is it, metacarpal in the, yeah. in the top of my middle finger and then also my radius and ever, every time I started using it again, it, it just kept re-breaking, Mizano on Friday, for example, so uh, we decided to give it a little bit of a break. We've had it in the plaster, kept it, you know, stable for the last couple of weeks and uh, yeah, I'll cut, I'll cut the cast, I'll fly home on Wednesday and as soon as I get home, I'll cut the cast off and start building up some strength in the arm and hopefully by Japan we should be uh, back to 100%, right. well 90 maybe. My body's always a little bit uh, knackered. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I know how that feels um, <laughs> for different reasons. Good luck, Jack, Jack anyway. Yeah, Cheers. absolutely good luck. And, uh, well, you know, we hope you are ready for Japan. It'll be fantastic to see you back on track. Yeah, thank you. It'd be nice to be on the other side of the camera. Exactly. Sure. And you're Cheers, always guys. welcome with thank us, you. but we prefer to see you on the other side. And thank Cheers, you for your time you. today. Cheers, Jack. All right. Thanks, Cheers. Cheers, buddy. our show Meet the Binders as we have uh, the celebrating family here today Brad Binders family world champion we've got Darren at the end mum Sharon Trevor and Brad next to us I'm just going to confirm the, the race result today and then we're going to have a chat of course it was a great race uh, we enjoyed it this morning and uh, Brad had to settle for second on the road. Jorge Navarro took his first win after he broke his leg. And Ea Bastianini was trying to slow Brad down, couldn't do it today. He took third. Then Fabio Di Giantonio in fourth. And Joan Mir was fifth. But really, all the headlines and all eyes on Brad. And what pressure you must have been under. First of all, congratulations. Thank well done, you. <laughs> Thank is you is it sinking in? Well, uh, definitely compared to when I was on the podium a little bit, that's for sure. But uh, I think by the time I go to bed tonight, maybe then um, it'll all sink in for sure. Can I just ask the most important person, the, your mom? Yeah. <laughs> My mom had to put it with one son racing, and that was bad enough. You have two. What's it been like for all the parents at home that have children thinking about getting into racing? What's it really been like? I know this is when you start to enjoy it and know with world champions, but uh, how hard has it been for having two sons uh, growing up in racing? They both started very young, so I'm quite used to it now, but I'm sure I always get the aching tummy, the nerves. <laughs> what, did you have to, what did you have to sacrifice as, 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 a, as a mother and father to get children into, into this sport? We always did as a family. We always went together. But as it's been now over the World Championship, um, I've been traveling first with Brad, just the two of us, and then Darren and Trevor joined us every now and then. And now I've traveled with Darren as well. So it's but it's, sacrifice. It's, it's mm. one thing to know that your kids are pretty good at racing, but to, to come to World Championship level, to make the sacrifices that you did. I mean, Trevor, I think you were saying to Neil yesterday, we heard about the Red Bull rookies. Yes. And you had to move house, you had to move, you know, it's a, it's a big commitment, isn't it? That, the Red Bull rookies was definitely a big stepping stone. You know, that was basically your entry into MotoGP. But it's, it's so many sacrifices that we've made along the way, you know, with them living overseas and us back in South Africa and then Darren joining them and I'm still there because somebody has to earn a living, you know. <laughs> so has got to pay the bills, hasn't it? It, it is. It's... Hang on a second. Yeah. Right, Darren, now he's a world champion. Is he going to give you his factory KTM for the last three, four races? She's like, uh, I don't think so. I think he's going to be out there bashing bars to try to win some more races. Okay. Eh? Um, so he's a selfish brother then, is he? Yeah, nah, he's a, he's a good brother. Eh? <laughs> I'm sure he'll be throwing the rope out in the next uh, couple of races to try to tow me along. Eh? And, uh, What's your plans for the future? Obviously next year, obviously you want to do exactly what your brother's done. Yeah, no, I would love to do that, eh? but uh, yeah, next year I'm going to stay in Moto3 and uh, hopefully I'll be able to be a little bit more competitive than I've been this year. And uh, it'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck. I just want to ask you about this morning. Can I just take you back to this morning? Because you, you're so cool as a cucumber, which you clearly get from both of your parents. Mm -hmm. But how were you feeling this morning now? You can be very honest with us. Were you, you know, were you relaxed or was there a knot in your stomach? You know, uh, I definitely woke up this morning feeling quite motivated. I think more motivated than normal. You know, uh, I looked to, at today as a, as a big opportunity to try and secure something for the rest of my life. 
you know. So um, going going into the race for sure, I was maybe a little bit more nervous. But uh, you know, as soon as the the lights go out and you drop the clutch, all the nerves go away. Mm. So um, yeah, after that, the next time I thought about the championship was when I crossed the line and I saw my team hanging over the pit wall. <laughs> what an amazing feeling that must have been. Well, congratulations today. Let's have a look back at Brad's day then. Through comes Navarro around the outside. Massive slipstream for Brad Binder down to the last corner. He is going to be surely the world champion. He runs out wide. Is that enough? Is he going to be second? He's got to try and get second place to be the champion. Brad Binder comes to the line in second place. Navarro wins. Brad Binder is the world champion. Brad Binder is the first South African rider to win a Grand Prix world title in any class since Johnny Eckerold back in 1980 and caught Ballanton in 78 and 79. Brad Binder celebrates with the world as world champion, his first world title. Once he started winning this year, he really couldn't stop himself, could he? Moto3 world champion Brad Binder. And what a campaign that was. Absolutely perfect, which does beg the question now, Brad. What happens tonight? Well, you know, watching back everything, uh, it definitely makes me excited for the next four rounds, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, tomorrow I'm testing, so I don't know. For sure, nothing will get too wild, but, you know, uh, definitely going to go out with my team and make it a night to remember. Oh, well, let's, let's hope you do, but you'll have to be careful if you're testing tomorrow, unfortunately. <laughs> but, hey, you guys don't have to be careful. Will there be a few drinks tonight, Sharon? I don't drink, okay. <laughs> but I can celebrate. <laughs> well, there's plenty of other ways of celebrating. And um, what, have, you, have you got any plans tonight? No, there's nothing really planned. We'll see what comes up later. You didn't buy the, the ticket to Japan, though? No, I haven't, luckily. <laughs> is, it, is this how a bride is so uh, um, calm-headed? Because we've got a mother doesn't drink. You're, I mean, you, you just feel I'm like it's is maybe just won the 100 metres his local sports day. No, I'm <laughs> over the moon, really. This is the biggest day of my life, really. for the pass on Alex Marquez. Marquez looks like he's going to be third. He's going to cut to the inside. What's happening with Sablos? He should have chucked the checker flag, but already second place is going to go. Through goes Sam Lowe's. Sam Lowe's wins from Marquez and Morbidelli. A great finish for them. Watching that intently was the man to my left. <laughs> Sam Lowe's. It's the first time you've seen it. Yeah, I've, you know, when you ride, obviously it's hard to remember exactly what happened, so it's nice to see it back. Especially when it's been a good day, when it's been a bad one, I tend not to watch. Yeah, congratulations. But you did seem quite confident going in today. Yeah, I felt really good, you know. All weekend I've worked really hard in qualifying to get pole positions nice. And then I've done the long runs all weekend, so I, when I got in front, I felt, felt normal. It felt like a practice session, so I just hit my markers and, and felt good, really. It makes it sound easy, though. That, I know that, it that, does. That's when the it's going well, part. it's easy, isn't it? To, to dominate like he did, to destroy the, you know, all your opponents, you're 12 seconds in front of your Zarkos and Rins. What a shame. I know you don't like looking back, but what a shame what happened at Silverstone. You're on for 25 points there, and if that had happened, you'd be 15 points behind. That, you, that must be wind you up a little bit. Yeah, I actually said that in an interview I did after the race, because, you know, I'm not one to moan or look back or anything else, but now it's 40 points behind. It could have been 15, 20, would have been a different story, but there's four races to go. I'm having fun. I feel relaxed. Them two look a bit nervous at the minute, not riding so good, so you know, we'll see in the next races. I was asking you before where you were making your time up, because Randy, we know the, the grip on the exits of the yeah. corner is important, but you actually said you were gaining on the middle of the corner, maybe. Yeah, well, I think that my grip was similar to them, but I get the bike turned more, so then obviously I could pick the bike up. So these are new forks, yeah? Yeah, new forks from last week, yeah. So is that was, what's making the yeah, difference? a bit better, just a lot more feeling. I think 
they let me understand more. So it's not that it helps the bike turn, but because I can understand where it is, after you know you get the confidence and then you can turn a bit better. So here in Valencia, where the corner's always coming back, it's, it's quite important. You have still got four races to go. Yeah. And although you thought the championship had slipped away, surely you know, you must think, oh, hang on a minute. It hasn't really, and like you say, those two do seem to be yeah, that's lacking the, a little bit of something at the moment, don't they? That's the thing, you know, we've got four races. For me, it's, I'd rather be in their position at the front, but I've got nothing to lose. I can go to Japan if, you know, if the results go my way there, go to Australia, which I love. You never know. And uh, you saw with Danny last year, it's really hard to get it over the line to win a world championship, and mm. I can maybe use that as, you know, my good thing and try and, and try and go against them. Exactly, you've got to convert it to everything to the positive, haven't you? Let's just confirm the standings then. This is how they look at the moment. So Joan Zarco still leading, but only by one point now over Alex Rins. And Sam is 40 points off Joan Zarco and obviously 39 off Rins. Tom Luti is behind him. Uh, that's eight points difference between that for that battle there. And Frankie Morbidelli is in fifth place. But it is still on. Dare you dream. Yeah, you know, obviously the goal at the start of the year was to become world champion. We made a few mistakes mid-season, but now if we can keep like this, today's performance has given me so much confidence. Going to Japan and Australia, we can uh, obviously there's light at the end of the tunnel. We'll keep trying. Yeah. And how about Japan though? It's a particular track. It's not like it's, there's no flow to it. Most people don't like that place. Do you go well there? No, I went good last year there in the dry, in the in the wet conditions was so so. But in the dry, I felt good. And uh, now when you come off a result like this, I think it, you know in matter two we're looking for all the little bits. I think we can do a good job there. So there's one thing we can guarantee: you're going to win in uh, Phillip Island, aren't you? You <laughs> are good round there. Yeah, I'm good round there. And also, <laughs> I think for them it'll be. Uh, you know, I think when if I'm behind them on the last lap, they're going to be more worried than I am, so it's going to be a good position for me. Can you tell us how your brother is, by the way, just quickly? Because obviously yeah, he's no, he's, uh, he's banged up a bit, he's not broken anything, and he's just flown back just to get checked out, obviously, because he's got World 2 bikes next weekend. So, obviously, he's gutted, but he's, uh, you know, he's in good spirits and he'll be on it next weekend. And obviously, watching the Aprilia's in MotoGP, that must be optimistic oh, for you. Made it even better day for me when I watched that race. So uh, and you've been testing, obviously. Yeah, they're, I've been they're, testing. They're the, new, the, the new chassis they've got now, I haven't tested, but they're improving all the time. And uh, I think in the end, it's been a perfect situation to do one more year in Moto Two, let the bike develop. And I think by the time I got on it, it looks to be in a really good position. Okay, look, three weeks until Japan, and then back in focus. Will you, do you stay go. in focus for those three weeks? How does that what's, work? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell who looks after him, can't you? Let's uh, let's just go back to uh, MotoGP for a second because we can hear from Cal Cutchley before we do, Sam. Thank you very much. Cheers, Cheers congratulations. Thanks. Here's Cal. Cal, well done. Really good battle in fifth place today. Second Honda in the race as well. Uh, at the start, it just seemed like you got caught up behind and that, and that stopped you from fighting right at the front. Yeah, I didn't make the best start. Um, we have a different clutch in the bike that I thought was going to give us a better start and it, and it really didn't. Um, but yeah, we, uh, I struggled at the start to get the rear tyre to work. Some, this has been the problem over the weekend. Some of these hard rear tyres have been working immediately and some not. And then I, I got held up behind Danny, Dovi and, uh, and Elise and the speed of our bike, we've got no chance, you know. Um, I really tried to, to be able to fight with them in the early stages and get past them. But Danny was just accelerating off the corner a little better than me and I, and I never got the, the good run on him. So. I had to leave it too long to to be able to pass, but then in the end, I felt our pace was as good as the second, third, and fourth place guy, but um, a little bit uh, a little bit too late. So, but we, you know, my team did a great job all weekend. Um, I really thought today, I really thought yesterday we could have been on the on the front row, and I made the mistake. And then today, I felt I could have aimed for the podium and, and had a good shot at it. Um, Valentino was my aim, but I just never got away with them. Um, and 
you know, in MotoGP when that happens, you get punished. You know, you don't really manage to come back from from a long way back. So, but an enjoyable race, good fun now and again. Um, overheating that front tire again at the start of the at the start of the race didn't help uh, when there's no cool air on it. So uh, we went with asymmetric and it wasn't too bad. But uh, you saw Mark. You know, we were pushing these Hondas completely out of control in the front to try and make up some some time with the with the lack of acceleration and speed. But no, we're uh, we're overall happy enough. Top five in in MotoGP around Aragon is not so bad, but I would have preferred a podium. That's sure. Well, he sounds disappointed, but I can't help but think he's doing a phenomenal job at the moment. Absolutely stunning job again all weekend, really fast. Yeah, he sounds disappointed, but unfortunately for him, he's raised his own bar high, where now a fifth place, not that far back, mm. is disappointing for him after the win and podiums. So. His self belief is is extraordinary, and 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 as it should be, isn't he's it? He's a gritty youngster. You know, I was his teammate in 2010, and I saw exactly what kind of a personality he had, and he's got the right one for this for this paddock, and two seconds in the first, uh, in you know, as we saw in Bruno, was, uh, he's on great form. Oh, make it happen already. We've got to wait three weeks then for the next race in Japan. Of course, we'll have every lap live for you on BT Sport. You free practice on Friday the 14th, qualifying on Saturday, and the race day, all the action will start 2.30 in the morning. I know, get the cup of tea on. You've got some news for us. Yeah, really good news. I was just walking around the back of the trucks and I bumped into Bradley Smith. He's here to announce he will be back in Japan. So he's been working really hard. Oh. People were saying he was going to be out for six months and he's yeah. worked so hard. So uh, he said it's going to be difficult, but he's going to give it a go. Oh, that's fantastic news, isn't it? That's yeah. really good to hear. What about today for you? Let's have a, a chat about highlights of the day. Uh, Brad Binder, South African champion in 35 years. Moto2 championships going, looking really, really uh, hot. You know, only one point between one and two and Sam Lowe's is still in there with the hunt. But, you know, I think Mark Marquez with the mm. ride today is a real champion's ride for me. A new Mark Marquez, isn't he, this year? It's stunning and, uh, you know, I mean, he's got a massive lead now and it's, it's his to lose. Yeah, well, uh, well, exactly. We've got four more races to go in this championship and, um, hey, some fantastic races coming some up. Some great tracks, all close together, So, but you can't make a mistake or get an injury. No, no, exactly. It's a bit late in the day for that one. But it's been a terrific day's racing here at Aragon. And uh, Gavin will be back with you in Japan with uh, Neil and the boys, the rest of the gang. I'll be back in Valencia with James as well. But uh, we have a new Moto3 world champion. And what a gentleman he is, as well as being supremely, naturally talented. Brad Binder is your Moto3 world champion. Thanks for your company.